The convergence of emerging technologies combined with changing consumer and societal preferences has resulted in the rapid adoption of mobility as a service, also known as Mars, getting users from point A to B in a flexible, multimodal, and seamless way through a single interface. Recent collaborations have also seen the integration of eco-friendly transportation modes into Mars. Today, we discuss the possibilities of electrification in Mars. Welcome to another edition of our Future Mobility series, bringing you the top voices from the sector. Decision makers, innovators, and shapers pushing the envelope on future ideas for transportation and beyond. I'm your host, Deshraf, and today we are joined by Gregory Duconjer, CEO of Vulog, and Helmut Rapstock, co-founder of the T-Good Group. Gregory and Helmut, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for the invitation, Deshraf. Great to be here. Let's first start off with some introductions. Gregory, we understand that Vulog is known primarily for powering the technology stack behind shared mobility solutions. I want to hear your thoughts. Do you see Mars as a huge step towards the future of mobility? Yes, you're absolutely right. So Vulog provides a technology that powers some of, uh, of the most successful shared mobility services worldwide, a lot of uh, great car sharing services. And our customers bring us amazing car sharing services across the world in over 30 cities today, in Canada, Europe, obviously, in North America, but also in China. I do believe shared mobility will, uh, will clearly become the norm in large cities in the years to come. Our cities, you know that living in, in Southeast Asia are, are more and more crowded and polluted. We do not have space anymore for each individual to have its own car. So we need to change that. And I believe that's the good news that it is happening now. And mobility as a service is clearly a big part of the solution. Probably not the only one, but clearly a big part of it. I believe the future of mobility will be a combination of mobility as a service, including obviously public transportation, but with some other light mobility alternatives like personal bike, probably more walking as well. Yeah, and all of this will only work as long as we make sure that people living outside the city as well, commuters, because there are a lot of commuters and unfortunately, mayors, when they take decisions about mobility in their city, they, they tend to forget about this important people. We need to have a solution for them to get into the city. And Helmet, T-Good is one of the largest electric vehicle charging infrastructure provider in the world today. From your experience, how is T-Good looking to address and support the market demands of mass providers? A big part of that game is big data. So the fact that we are operating a network of more than 270,000 charging stations in more than 330 something cities today gives us experience in location decisions, which we are using in the future for corporations with MAAS providers so that we can make sure that everywhere you need charging, it is available. And this experience is really coming from a lot of study of data. It's a big data game. We have about five terabytes of data per day, which we are processing at the moment. And we are working with these thermograph 
slides, I think you know what I mean, really, really track where is mobility going? Where do we need the charges in the future? And with the use of a lot of artificial intelligence, we are now able to very well select the next location for the next charges so it has the highest usage. Yeah, in, in summary, MAAS is the future. It will be electric and the charging infrastructure is a very important precondition that it works. And that's exactly where we are. And Gregory, from your experience in the mass industry, do you see a shift from traditional internal combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles? Well, the shift from IC to electric vehicles, I believe, is happening. And it is clearly happening much faster on shared mobility services than, uh, let's say, on the car market globally. I must admit that it is pretty different from one country uh, to another, but the trend is definitely here. And, and to share with you a few data points related to our business and to the business of our customers. So today, around 90% of the fleet uh, operated by our customers in Europe today is electrified. It is around 20% in uh, North America and 100% in, in China, obviously. And why are we experiencing this kind of trend today? First of all, I believe it's coming from the people living in cities who really want to see strong real actions to decrease pollution. I think pollution is now a concern everywhere in the world. And I believe cities now get it. They understand that it is in their interest to promote electric shared mobility solution, and they start to do so. In Madrid, for instance, if you run an electric car sharing service, you will not pay any on-street parking fees. In Paris, it's about the same thing. You will pay a reduced fee. So cities tend to push now for electric shared mobility services, and I believe that this is a, a great news. Second of all, car makers now understand that urban mobility is definitely changing. In a few years from now, people who are today buying cars will no longer buy cars, but will consume mobility like they consume Netflix. So if these car makers want to remain relevant for those billions of people living in cities, they need to transform themselves and they need to become shared mobility operators. And they do so with electric cars, at the same time to promote their new electric vehicles. And this is what OEM customers are doing today all over the world. So now the big question is, how will this be impacted by the COVID-19 crisis? I don't believe the trend toward electric mobility will be really impacted. It could even be, I believe, quite positive if this really helps the world understand that we need an acceleration toward a more sustainable future. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. Uh, and I'm pretty optimistic that electric shared mobility will definitely accelerate after these two weeks of, of COVID crisis. Helmut, you have had extensive experience in providing electric charging infrastructures for EV mobility fleets. What are some of the unique factors behind a successful and reliable fleet charging infrastructure? The most important part is actually the part you don't see. One of the real big challenges in electrification of mobility is the availability of power. So that by now is pretty clear. At the beginning, it was this hype of, okay, we, perfect, we do also now fast charging and we do it everywhere. Damn, we can't because the grid is not able to provide the amount of power you need for fast charging 
and even for slow charging with a serious amount of vehicles because the grid does not have the power available where, where you need it. And it will take some years and a lot of investment to get there. And so you have to do, and that was what I meant with, is the part you don't see. The charging software system, the management system behind is the important thing then because that shows you where in the grid you have the power available, how many cars or vehicles already on your system, on your charging systems are, how full. So a new one comes, you can uh, decrease the power you load the, uh, the first ones and increase the power for the new ones. You also make sure that they are safely charged. That's still a, an issue in the electric mobility space, as you know. And so this is where the algorithms come in, I'm talking about. And this is where a mass operator we would operate, for example, together with, would use our software system because it's a cloud-based big software system in a software as a service model. Model with this logo and with everybody, everything. But then the operator can determine what's important to him and he can see the status of the whole fleet and of the charging. So that group charging system principle and idea together with this management software over the whole thing is actually now the key. And this is also where we are clearly investing most because the hardware inverters, charging terminals is becoming a commodity. What are some of the synergies between mass type models and electrification? Gregory, perhaps you can weigh in on this? Well, I think the point of Helmuth is extremely relevant. Once you have a very large fleet of shared electric vehicles, not only you become relevant, obviously, in terms of providing a great mobility offerings to, to the people, but you are also solving one of the issues, which is the storage of, of the energy. And clearly, when we uh, talk to our customers, especially in Europe, uh, this is something that they have in mind. And this is something that they have in their business plan, not very short term because the fleets are not at the right uh, scale today. But in a few years from now, when you will have a few thousand cars, it will make a lot of sense for these companies to provide mobility, but also to provide energy storage. So I think here we have something which makes a lot of sense. In addition to that, I believe that electric car sharing can actually accelerate the deployment of a relevant charging network in a given city. You know, it's always the egg and chicken issue. If you don't have a charging network, people will not switch to EVs, but if there are no EVs, why would you invest in a charging network? And I strongly believe that, and this is proven by fact now in, in a few cities, by heavily promoting electric car sharing, the city can actually help put enough EVs in the street so that deploying a very good charging networks made financial sense for a, a private company without huge subsidies. So here again, I think there is something that makes sense and, and combining a, a strong push at the same time, electric mobility and electrification make a lot of sense. Both Mars and EVs are huge developments in mobility that require the involvement of many different players, from policymakers to investors and automakers. What do you think is required from the mobility ecosystem for electrified Mars to be mainstream? So I believe that 
if we want to significantly accelerate the move toward electric mobility as a service, we need policymakers and cities to, you'll excuse me for being quite blunt here, but to stop playing around and become really serious about it. Decreasing congestion, decreasing pollution is now a must. So we need favorable policies for shared electric mobility and really ambitious plans to deploy green transportation. It is, I believe now, just a question of ambition and willingness to change. Expanding bike lanes is just one part of the equation. And while it may be a nice speaking point for potential mayor to uh, looking at getting re-elected, it's not enough to really make a long-term difference in our cities, in our lives. And there are several very concrete actions that we could take very quickly in Paris, for instance, that would really transform the mobility. And, and I will give you a, a few of them. The first one would be to significantly increase the cost of inner city street parking. So increasing the cost of parking. This is a tough political decision to take, but I'm pretty sure that people will probably start forgetting about their personal cars and start thinking about electric car sharing. Second of all, reallocate at least one third of on-street parking for cycle lanes, wider pavements, parking reserved for shared electric mobility, such as mopeds, scooters, cars. Third would be to create some transportation hubs around Paris with some car parks so that people coming into the city can park their cars, but also get access to multimodal transportations so that they can get into Paris with shared electric mobility. And we should not forget about all these people who work inside the city, but cannot afford to live in the city. And one additional point would be as well to promote carpooling from and to this transportation hub so that people can move around without even owning their car, sharing uh, the car of their neighbor or sharing a car of someone going into the same direction. But at the end of the day, what we need is political decision, ambition, and courage. And Gregory, Vulog has had its operations mainly in Europe. What is your view on the Southeast Asian market for mass offerings? Yes, you're very right. Vulog is pretty strong in Europe and North America with a, a clear leadership position. While we are also in many other parts of the world, such as China, Australia, and, and Brazil, we are not yet in Southeast Asia. You know, when you build a business and you grow a business, you need to make choices and, and obviously focus your energy and resources on some priorities. And until now, it's always been Europe and North America. but. Southeast Asia market is extremely promising with some great perspective in Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Vietnam and obviously Singapore, which has been for a few years now at the forefront of the mobility revolution. So uh, I would say that what will be coming in the coming years with continuous growth of, of the population, the access to affordable and clean mobility will become an even bigger concern than, uh, than it is today for the cities in this region. And I believe that Vulog needs to, uh, to invest much more in this region than, uh, than what we did so far. And I'm pretty sure that next time we'll have uh, such a discussion, we will be present in the region with uh, at least a few projects. I expect this market to probably become one of the largest one for electric shared mobility in the years to come because of the issues that I told you about, growing population, growing pollution. Yeah, so we'll be there. And Helmet, majority of T-Goods charging infrastructure is centered in China where there is huge governmental support for it. As we see a growing interest in EVs, especially in Southeast Asia, 
Do you think the region has a necessary infrastructure to facilitate electrified mass offerings? Well, outside of China, it's very easy to say that the infrastructure for electric mobility is not there. Nowhere. I, I wouldn't know of any country. Even in China, with all of these hundreds of thousands of charging points, it's only relatively better, but there are millions missing when you say, okay, is there enough, in, really enough infrastructure for electric mobility so that it really replaces internal combustion engines? Now, if that's even the case in China, you can imagine my answer is very simple and no, it's not there in, in Southeast Asia. And that's why, as Gregory, you just said, we are looking into these markets and we are in conversations with the relevant parties for helping to do that as we speak. Expanding on the questions I've just asked, from the strategies that you have been seeing across the market, I wanted to hear from both of you, should an effective charging infrastructure be developed first or should EV adoption be encouraged first? Gregory, maybe we can start with you. Okay, what I can tell you is is what we've experienced with uh, with the different projects that we've uh, we've launched with our partners across the world, and not one single time in these cities where uh, an electric car sharing service has been launched, there was a good or relevant charging network. So I think this is a critical point, especially for if you as an individual, you are thinking about buying a car. I know that um, as far as I'm concerned, I thought one year ago about buying an electric car and I looked around and there was no charging infrastructure. So there is no way for me to buy an electric car if there is no charging infrastructure. But when you are an operator of an electric shared mobility service, it's slightly different because if the city is putting the right, I would not say subsidies, but the right promotion in order to help you deploy your electric shared mobility service. And at the end of the day, you can take care of the recharging of your vehicles without adding a significant price tag to the end user. That might be fine. So what we've seen in all the cities where our customers have launched some large electric car sharing services is the following. They've launched 500 to 1,000 electric cars. And in parallel to that, they built their own charging infrastructure. So they created some charging hubs, three or four in a given city, so that they were capable of recharging these vehicles quite fast, quite efficiently, without relying on the local charging infrastructure. So it worked, but long-term, clearly, you need to have a relevant charging infrastructure. Otherwise, except uh, shared electric mobility services, you will not push individuals or even companies to get EVs. I believe that if you start first with shared electric mobility services and it helps you create the right charging infrastructure, then that makes sense. And Helmut, what about you? So as you said, Gregory, the provider can take care of the charging and he has to do it anyway when he launches his uh, service because otherwise there's no point doing it. So that is a, I would call it a logical chicken and egg it comes together. When you look at the mass adoption of electric mobility, 
then it looks different because when you look at the psychological barriers to the wider adoption, then range anxiety is just the, the number one spot. People are not buying electric as long as there is the chance that even once per year, you know, when I want to visit grandma in a few hundred kilometers uh, away city, then I run out of gas, unquote. Nah, let's stay uh, IAC. And so for that part, I'm pretty sure simply psychologically, the infrastructure has to be there because we are in, in at least in most of the countries not able to dictate the buying decision of the, of the buyers. So for most part of the world, it needs to be a motivation there to switch. And that motivation is only starting to be there when what I called the user experience before is as close to the experience of my guest guzzler as possible. Now, I'd like to wrap things up and ask the both of you something more personal. Gregory, what excites you about the future of mobility that keeps you up at night? That's an interesting question. You know, I've been doing this job for a bit more than four years now. And I must say that I love what I'm doing. I love my job. I love to see the impact that we have on mobility. I'm really proud of what the Veloc team has already achieved by bringing some great solutions to, to the market to build a, a more sustainable world. I strongly believe we need to act now and really fast in order to, to really change the world and, and mobility for good. There can be frustration sometimes as things are not really moving as fast as we'd like. This frustration is probably shared as well by uh, Helmut. But at the end of the day, we are making an impact. We are transforming our cities for good. And this is what makes our job extremely exciting. As far as I'm concerned, this is what makes it really exciting, thinking that we are making an impact and we are transforming our cities so that our children will, uh, will have a chance to live in green, in clean cities. And Helmut, the same question goes to you. What keeps you up at night? Well, what keeps me up at night is a big issue if we don't want to go into too much detail there. But, um, well, <laughs> honestly, I love the question because I, I could be retired already. And honestly, and, and this really says it, I am not because electric mobility and the charging infrastructure we are talking today is not everything we are doing. This whole renewable issue I mentioned before is a big part of what we're doing. And everything is simply under the theme of we are going to change the way we generate, distribute and use energy on the planet. It sounds big, but Gregory, as you just said, whatever part you can play in that, it is very, very important. And working on that is honestly something that gets me out of bed in the morning. And that also says something because I'm a, a late person and not an early bird. But working on these solutions that help get the planet away from the present fossil fuel development path, that is really worth getting up and working for it. Absolutely. Well, that was definitely a very insightful discussion. I'd like to thank our guests today for joining us. Gregory and Helmut, thank you for today's electrifying session. And that's it for today's episode of our Future Mobility podcast series. 
If you want to comment on this podcast or the topics covered, you can send us an email at cpodcast at deloitte.com. That's spelled S-E-A podcast at deloitte.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get the latest episodes. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I am Dishraf, and until next time. Ha <laughs> ha